Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Chicken. 
do believe we need to consult the manual. Then, preacher pastors today, there are our self-inflicted injuries. The things that we do to ourselves to diminish the offense. One of my favorite authors who writes much about pastoral ministry, Eugene Peterson, he writes in his book, Working the Angles, the Shape of Pastoral Integrity. He opens the first chapter of the book with a sobering pronouncement. And I quote, American pastors are abandoning their posts left and right and at an alarming rate. other jobs, congregations still pay their salaries. Their names remain on the church stationery and they continue to appear in the pulpit on Sunday. But they are abandoning their post and their cause. They have gone whoring after other gods. What they do with their time under the guise of pastoral ministry hasn't the remotest connection with what church pastors have done for most of the last 20 centuries. What Dr. Peterson was doing was referring to the secularizing, the secularizing, the, somebody might say the mongrelizing of the office of pastor even in the contemporary church court. Many times it has come to be nothing but a personality court. the perspectives of church members. One of the challenges of being a pastor is everybody have an idea of what you're supposed to be doing. In many churches today, it seems like the pastor can do nothing right. No matter how he tries. I saw a little article I thought it would be helpful for us to hear this. I want to share it with you. It says, if the pastor's young, they say he lacks experience. If his hair is gray, he's too old for the young people. If he has five or six children, he has too many. If he has no children, he's setting a bad example. If he preaches from notes, he has canned sermons and they are dry. If his messages are extemporaneous, he's not deep enough. If he's attentive to the poor people in the church, they claim that he's playing to the grandstand. If he pays attention to the wealthy, then he's just an aristocrat. If he uses too many illustrations, he neglects the Bible. If he doesn't use enough stories, he isn't clear. If he condemns wrong, he's cranky. If he doesn't preach against sin, they say he's a compromiser. If he preaches the truth, he's offensive. If he doesn't preach the truth, he's a hypocrite. If he fails to please everybody, he's hurting the church and ought to leave. If he does please everybody, he has no convictions. If he drives an old car, he shames the congregation. If he drives a new car, he's setting his affection on everything.
If he receives a large salary, he's a mercenary. If he receives a small salary, well, they say it just proves he's not worth anything anyway. There's the secular caricatures. There is our own self-inflicted for their other perspectives that people place on this world. So we need to consult the manual and, and you gave us the steps and when I looked at it, I saw three things relating to the pastor's office. Three things that that in Jeremiah 3.15 and then I'm going to slip something else in at the end because a text out of context is a pretext. But this text I will give you pastors after my own heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. There are three movements. First of all, there is the pastor's measure. You see, the measure of a pastor is not the man himself. The measure of a pastor is the God who called, who anointed him and laid his hands on him. When you measure this office, there is a transcendent connection. Nobody in their right mind picks it up on their own. You have to be called. We have in that moving prologue in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, there was a man sent from God. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That True light that cometh in the world, and the light of the way of every man. Yes. Jeremiah, he, he says it in this text. He says, and I will give, and, and he's writing on behalf of God. The I is not Jeremiah. He didn't give pastors. The I is the Lord himself. Yes. Yahweh, the sovereign one, the yes. transcendent one. He said, I will give. Yes. See, when a church has a rather than shifting and, and moving around trying to come up with something on their own. They ought to just be praying and ask God, what do you have for us? Says, I will. There, there is this transcendence. It's in the text. I'm not making it up. And then why should we be surprised? Because Jeremiah understood this. If you read the first chapter, as God calls this prophet, he says, your calling had prenatal and postnatal implications. Yeah. He says, why you were in your mother's womb? I called you to be a pastor, to be a prophet unto the nation. Yeah. Yes, sir. You see, there is this transcendent call. That's how we measure this office, is because God, there is a companion scripture heard it, we've heard it because the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed and the New Testament is Old Testament fulfilled. And so you go to Ephesians chapter 4 and 11, you'll see the companion, the parallel passage, and he gave some. And he is the Lord himself when he ascended back to glory, leading captivity, captive, he gave some apostles. I'm glad he did it. He gave some prophets. He gave some some pastor hyphen teachers, which literally means in the Greek 
See, if the church was a university, he would have given us a president. All right. If the church was a top Fortune 500 company, he would have given us a CEO. Yeah. Church was a bank, he'd give us a teller or a loan office. Yeah. Church was a restaurant, give us a chef yeah. or a maker deal. Yeah. If church was an automobile dealership, He'd give us a salesman or a mechanic. If church was a hospital or an emergency room, he'd give us a doctor or a trauma surgeon. If church was a sports team, football, baseball, soccer, he'd give us coaches. But the church is a sheepfold. And so he gives the church shepherds because sheep need. the measure of a pastor. Pastor's measure is not so much his qualifications, his academic insights, his theological perspectives. It's the fact that the Lord has laid his hands on him. See, there's a whole lot of stuff I don't know about. Just like 
the good shepherd who they are the mirror of. Who said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down so that I can pick it up again. Shepherds have a sacrificial and servant mindset. This is the wrong thing to do if you need stroking and attention. If you can only be motivated when the spotlight is on you. We're called not, as our Lord was, we're called not to be served, but to serve and to sacrifice ourselves for others. You don't do it. You don't do it because you get the paycheck. You don't do it because they're going to have an anniversary celebration. There's something inside of you that makes you love folk that don't love you back. There's something inside of you when your body is weary and your mind is troubled, you'll still get out of the bed and drive to a hospital. There's something that holds you. Compassion that mirrors the model who is Jesus Christ himself. And so for us pastors, like Michelangelo's picture of David, we can never reach the ideal, we can only strive for it. It is the goal that people will see Christ in us. I will give you pastors after my own heart. Y'all see it in the text. I'm not making it up. There is the model and the measure. But then there is the pastor's ministry. We're not left to speculate about what a pastor's primary responsibility is. And there's a lot of secondary auxiliary and peripheral things that we get involved in as we try to be an inspiration and uplift in our communities and in our churches. But these pastors here know today what our primary responsibility is. It is to feed the people with knowledge and understanding. In other words, our responsibility is to feed the people the word of God. And you cannot take people where you have not been. You've got to slow down and become what Eugene Peterson said in another book called The Contemplative Pastor. He said, you've got to become an unbusy pastor. He said, because there are two enemies in ministry, wearing and flirting. He says one constipates ministry and the other aggravates ministry. And so in the early church, they understood the measure of his office. When the responsibility for taking care of the membership became so overwhelming, the pastors rightly said to the congregation, look ye out among you and find seven men of good report full of the Holy Ghost and honest men. Yeah. You see, the deacon office has its origin and foundation.
is to feed and lead the flock of God. Yeah. I have Pastor O'Connor who for years yeah. he said that he would tell his members and particularly his leaders he said my primary job is to lead and feed. My job is to lead and feed. And you really leading when you feed. He said that one meeting one night, one of his deacons looked at him and said, Pastor, I guess if your job is to lead and feed, wow. our job must be to follow and swallow. Yeah. <laughs> to have a witness here. Yeah. The thing that will help us get through another day wow. is not the USA Today or the latest report on CNN. As I think about facing the congregation every Sunday morning, I ask the Lord to give me a fresh word because philosophical speculation won't get you through. A quaint sayings that you get off of television won't help you make it through the next day.
of pain. Uh, I want to tell the pastor today, uh, if you read down uh, two more verses, uh, there is the motivation uh, because what this text tells us uh, is that there's coming a day uh, when all the nations uh, will gather listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.